0: Well, I'm just going to take a moment in our Hebrews passage today, chapter 9, verses 1 through 14. I want to move through this very quickly with a very little comment because Sister Bev is starting Ezekiel today, and it's the first three chapters of Ezekiel, which I like amazing. And she said, sweetie, can I have some more time? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. Now, even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section, in which were the lampstand, the table, and the bread of the presence, is called the holy place. And behind the second curtain was the second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense, the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was the golden urn holding the manna and Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifice are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have yet to come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, having thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of the defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for purification of the flesh, how much more, how much more, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit Offered himself without blemish to God. Purify our consciences from dead works to serve the living God. Now, just two quick thoughts. Offered himself without blemish to God. I just read the other day in one of the leadership magazines that China has produced a new book claiming that Jesus sinned. <laughs> they can say whatever they want. Jesus was without blemish. He was the spotless lamb. He was that lamb. Oh, he's the spotless lamb offered without blemish. Jesus could have sinned, but Jesus never sinned. Purify our conscience from good works to serve the living God. You know the greatest challenge I find with Christians when it comes to going into the ministry, or becoming a connect group leader, or singing in the choir, or joining the singing groups or doing anything else? Their consciences. Because they know that they've done things in the past that are wrong. Beloved, all of us have a past. Everybody has a past. Everybody has things in their past that they're ashamed of. But the blood of Jesus has cleansed our consciences. See, that's the beautiful thing. Our conscience doesn't, we don't live in the condemnation of our conscience. Our conscience has been purified from dead works to serve a living God. Ah, Why don't you just lean back today and let that blood of Jesus cleanse your conscience so that you can serve a living God. All right, let's open up our hearts and worship and then to Sister Beth.
1: He has the
2: Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel in our daily devotions. Now, because this is daily devotions, we are not going to be teaching the book of Ezekiel per se, but we will be looking at the book devotionally. We'll be seeing the relationship between God and Ezekiel and how God taught him and spoke to him. We're going to see it can be also the same in our life. We're going to learn from some of the experiences that Ezekiel had and see how we can experience beautiful and glorious things with the Lord as well. Ezekiel, we're going to look at his call to be used of God in this way. And we're going to look a little bit at the exile. In fact, Ezekiel, Daniel, and Jeremiah are the three as we call them, um, exile prophets. At this time, Daniel was already in exile, and then Ezekiel joined the exiles, but Daniel outlived him there. And I wonder if you know, taken into exile where? Because this is not the northern kingdom of Israel that we're talking about. This is the southern kingdom of Judah. So where was it that Daniel... And now Ezekiel, where are they taken? What, what country were they taken into exile? Well, we know, of course, that the country is Babylon. And yes, even I think our children know that answer because of veggie tales. Babylon is where they were. Ezekiel was from the priestly line. So since he was from the priestly line, of course, he is a Levite. Because all the priests, and we say the Levites, they were all from the Levitical tribe. And many of the priests were taken into captivity. So this is in about the fifth year of Ezekiel's captivity in the land when God started appearing to him and using him in this ministry. And he prophesied for about 22 years after that. But the conditions under which he prophesied are not very ideal, because at the time of Ezekiel, and of course at the time of Jeremiah, there was such a strong spirit of delusion among the people, and among the even the leaders of the people. They were so deluded. So when Jeremiah would say, You're going into exile, and it's going to be 70 years. These false prophets would rise up with their delusions and their deceit, and they would say, oh, it's not going to happen. You're not going into exile. Well, then the people did go into exile. So then the false prophets would rise up and say, don't worry. Within two years, you will be back, and all the temple ornaments, the the instruments of the temple, they'll all be back too. So there was such a spirit of delusion among the people. And then, of course, Zedekiah, King Zedekiah, who was the puppet king, who was put there in Judah, he was foolish enough to meet with some other kings and try a rebellion. And Nebuchadnezzar's response was just to burn Jerusalem, burn the city, take the temple, take everything within it. And so the nation was crushed. They were just in despair. Really? Really? All these prophets we've been putting our hope in, we've been trusting, they're all telling us lies. This is for nothing. And so Ezekiel started his ministry with the people in this kind of despondency, trying to get people to see the light of the Lord and to see the light of the Word of God and to see what could happen if they would turn around. But of course, even though the people were despondent, it gave Ezekiel kind of a good starting point that, hey, people, you've tried all this other, now turn to God because he has all the answers for you and your situation. If you were to know Ezekiel, let's just say, for example, that Ezekiel was a pastor today, what a drama, drama, drama pastor he would be. He was the most dramatic of all the prophets that we have. And if you would see this guy today, you might think he was crazy. You might think there's something a little bit wrong with the guy, but I would say Ezekiel was so visual. He was so, and maybe that's why I can relate to him quite a bit because I happen to be quite visual. And he easily followed God when God wanted him to do all these little like mini dramas, props, illustrations. Oh, that really sounds like me, doesn't it? (laughs) But it shows us something about God himself, because God himself is also super creative, very visual, and he knows how to make his voice clear. So that's just a little bit of a background about who Ezekiel is. Imagine that's like a five minute background. (laughs) Wow. Five minute introduction to the book of Ezekiel. And here we go. In Ezekiel chapter one, verse one, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Chebar Canal, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Well, the first thing we want to say, you might look at that and say, that's a very (laughs) time-specific prophecy, the 30th year in the fourth month on the fifth day of the month. You know what? That's what you might say. But you know what I say? Happy birthday, Ezekiel. (laughs) Welcome to the priestly ministry, because this is not the 30th year of their exile that's being talked about. This is still very early in the exile, which was a 70-year period. This is Ezekiel turning 30. And when he turned 30, because he was from the priestly line, and as we know, all of the priests were from what tribe? The tribe of Levi. Exactly. So the priests and the Levites were all from the tribe of Levi. And Ezekiel was from the tribe. He was of the priestly line. So if he was a priestly line and he was training, we know that the priests started their training. They actually were trained by their fathers, their uncles, the elders, from the time they were young. They were growing up, learning the ministry, but they officially started really training hard when they were 25, and then by the time they're 30, they could really officially enter the ministry of the priesthood. So Ezekiel, happy birthday, very time-specific. And on your birthday, where are you celebrating? Well, it says, As I was among the exiles by the Chibar Canal, and the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God among the exiles. Well, where would you hope to see a man of God? Among his people, right? Ezekiel was also in exile. He could be off in a corner somewhere, sulking, thinking, oh, nobody listened to the prophet Jeremiah. Nobody listens. He could be off in a corner sulking, but he wasn't. He's a man of God. And the man of God is there among the people. Because what do they say? Shepherds smell like sheep. (laughs) He was a good shepherd of the people. He was a man of God and he was among the people. And you know, if you're a leader, you will never know the people just by long distance. Of course, right now we're in a very unusual time. We're in a pandemic time and people are distancing themselves a lot more. But when we are in normal times, isn't it that the pastors are in your homes? Pastors are with the sheep. Pastors don't say, ah, sheep, go out there, go evangelize. Sheep, go do this. Pastors are out there leading the way, right there among the sheep, doing everything that needs to be done. Doing all the work of the ministry. The pastors are right there. Knowing the sheep, experiencing life with the sheep. Absolutely. So during the pandemic, I know that there were pastors who kind of took off somewhere and went to some retreat someplace and went off on a nice yacht or some boat or someplace. A good pastor stays with his people no matter what. And it says, the heavens were open and he saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest. Oh, I like that. Ezekiel the priest. As Ezekiel is writing this book and he's referring to himself, he calls himself Ezekiel the priest. He gets to officially do that because... It's his 30th year. (laughs) He is now officially Ezekiel the priest. And the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chebar Canal. And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. How would you like this to be your first day on the job? (laughs) Wow, the word of the Lord came to him. It's not a feeling. I I was sitting beside the canal, and I felt, I just felt in my heart. I felt such pity for these people. No, no, no. It's not a feeling. It is the Word of God. And all good leaders, all good Christians, what do we speak to people? We speak the Word of God. It's the Word of the Lord. It's not a result of us wanting something. It's a result of us knowing something, knowing the word of the Lord. And the hand of God was upon him there. Have you ever seen somebody that you just knew the hand of God was on that person? It's kind of obvious, isn't it? When you look at a person, you say, wow, the hand of God is so upon that person's life. The hand of God is so upon that person. The hand of God was upon Ezekiel. And it was obvious. Then we carry on verse four. As I looked, behold. Now that's the ESV. When you look at other versions, it will say, as I looked, I saw. And this is something you are going to see often in the book of Ezekiel. You're going to see this, I looked, and I saw. (laughs) You will also see that in some of the other prophets in their writings, but you'll definitely see it here in Ezekiel. I looked and I saw. In the NIV 84, that's the words it used. I looked and I saw. Well, for one thing, you know what? You won't be seeing if you're not looking. Yeah. Um, Sweetheart, where's my green sweater? Well, have you looked for it? No. Well, you're not going to see it if you don't look for it. It's right there on the chair where you left it. (laughs) Mommy, I can't find my red backpack. Have you looked for it? No. It's amazing, you know. If you don't look, you will not see. So he looked and he saw. And you know what? That leads us to the other question. Where are you looking? What are you looking at? where are you looking? This will determine what you see. Of course, if you look out a certain window, you get a certain view. If you look out another window, you see a concrete wall. (laughs) If you look out another window, you can see the sky and maybe you see a beautiful tree. Well, where are you looking? Because where you're looking will determine what you see. And that is a very profoundly simple but profound principle for all of us in life. Where are you looking? It's going to determine what you see. If you're looking in all the wrong places, you're going to see all the wrong things, right? But if you're looking at what God is showing you, you're going to see what God is showing you. So I looked and I saw a stormy wind come out of the north and a great cloud with brightness around it ooh, and fire flashing forth continually cloud fire does this sound familiar when the glory of the lord was leading the people out of egypt and what did they see this pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night we see this associated with the glory of god fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. Now, it's important that we're going to take note of what it is he sees. How does he describe what he sees? That is one description, gleaming metal. Because there are other people in the Bible who also had visions, like Daniel, he saw visions. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. John the Revelator, we call him, John the one who wrote the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he saw so many things about the glorified Jesus. He saw heaven when he was having his vision. So some of the things that we're going to see in Ezekiel's visions, when he's talking about, he sees and it looks like gleaming metal. Oh, take note, gleaming metal. And then we're going to see, do we see that anywhere else? Do we see it in Daniel's revelation? Do we see it in John's revelation? And we're going to put the things together. If you were reading this, and especially if you were if you were my student right now, <laughs> I would ask you to chart these different things and to ask you to see what are the similarities in what Ezekiel saw, we, especially with Daniel and with John in the book of Revelation. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. Who are these four living creatures? Well, in chapter 10, verse 15, and in chapter 10, verse 20, also of the book of Ezekiel, he might be calling these living creatures cherubim, It might be exactly what he's describing. And when you read ahead now on what these living creatures look like, you go, this is not like any cherub you ever saw on a Valentine's candy. (laughs) This is not like any cherub that you see in paintings with the cute little cherubs uh, with their bow and arrows shooting people with love arrows or whatever it is that they're doing. This is nothing like this. It's also... There are similarities between these living creatures and the living creatures in the book of Revelation. So in the book of Revelation, though, there are some also slight differences. So are these the same living creatures as Revelation, or are these different? We don't know exactly because we haven't been to heaven yet, <laughs> and we haven't seen with our own eyes. And the Bible doesn't say, and you know what, if the Bible doesn't say, You can't say it. (laughs) You can't say, oh, yes, definitively, these are the living creatures from the book of Revelation, because the Bible doesn't say that. And besides, God is a God of infinite variety. And you can bank on that in your life, that God is a God of infinite variety. And when you want to do something, start a new business, take up a new career, become something different, better or something new, you have to hold on to that. That God is a God of infinite variety. You don't have to be a cookie cutter. You don't have to be exactly the same as this other person in the business because that's how it's done. God can show you an infinitely creative way to have your own business. Anyway, I do think that a lot of people, (laughs) people who have gone ahead of us to heaven, when they opened their eyes in heaven, oh the things they saw. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, probably they wanted to just look at the at the face of Jesus for the first how many thousands of years. That's probably what they're still doing. But as they get acclimatized to heaven and they look around, oh my goodness, the the joy. The intensity, the color, the creativity, the creatures with eyes everywhere, with wings everywhere, all these different creatures and how they move. I think people who have gone ahead of us into heaven, they've been in for a big surprise at how it is we cannot even imagine at this stage in our life. But one day we will see. So there are four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces and each of them had four wings. Well, the four faces, that does sound like the living creatures in Revelation, doesn't it? Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot. And they sparkled like burnished bronze How would you like that to be the description of you? She sparkled. (laughs) These living creatures, they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces... They had a human face, the four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit would go, they went. I like that. Wherever the Spirit would go, they went. Oh, brothers and sisters, let it be said of us, not that we sparkled, but let it be said of us that wherever the Spirit would go, we went. If the Spirit of God is leading us, we say, let's go, (laughs) amen. So wherever the Spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures creatures darted to and fro, like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of barrel. So the appearance of these wheels, we're not talking about rubber tires here. We're talking about gleaming jewels, precious jewels. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, The rims of all four were full of eyes all around. Can you even imagine this creation? (laughs) And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose up from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went. There we are again now. And the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them. For the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the head of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread out above their heads, and under the expanse, their wings were stretched out one toward another, and each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters. Well, in book of Revelation, its voices that are described as the sound of many waters. And as we keep reading through the book of of Ezekiel, when we get to, for example, chapter 3, verse 13, this could really be describing the voice of God calling out from this expanse, from his throne. And of course, the voices in the book of Revelation, they are called loud. The voice of Jesus is like thunder. It's described, the voice of Jesus is described as the voice of the sound of many waters. There's the sound of a great multitude. You know, I think heaven is a little bit noisy, but what beautiful noise it is. It says, I heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. Oh, I want to say that in my life. I was worshiping the Lord, and there came a voice. I want to hear the voice of the Lord. Do you? You want to hear the voice of God, and maybe it will sound like the rush of many waters. And maybe in your case or my case, it might sound like a still, small voice. We don't know, but we know that God speaks. He speaks to people. He speaks to people today because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And above the expanse, over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like sapphire. Ooh, we like this. God sits on a sapphire throne. Wow. Pearly gates, jasper gates, streets of gold, sapphire throne— What a place we are headed to. Creatures that are beyond imagination. Oh, worshiping God and worshiping God. Remember in the book of Revelation, when the living creatures would worship God and the 24 elders would fall off of their thrones and be on their faces, worshiping God. What a place is the place of our destiny, of our destination. It's our eternal home we will never get bored there that is for sure it's eternally creative in the appearance like sapphire and seated above the likeness was a throne and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance and upward from what had the appearance of his waist i saw it as if it were gleaming metal so we saw that at the beginning of his vision now we see it again like the appearance of fire enclosed all around, and downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw it as the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of brightness all around him. So a rainbow all around the Lord on his sapphire throne, Can it get more beautiful? (laughs) Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, what do you think Ezekiel did when he saw it? What would you do if you saw all of this, this sapphire throne and this expanse and all these beautiful creatures worshiping God? What would you do? When I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard the voice of one speaking. You know, when you have an experience with God, this is what you should expect. You should expect that when you see the beauty of the Lord, yes, you will fall on your face. Expect to hear his voice speaking to you. This is so important. Don't go into an experience with God looking for how you felt It's all about me. It's all about what I think and what I feel. No, it's all about Him. And when you have an experience with God, you're on your face before God, expect to hear the voice of one speaking. And chapter two, and He said to me, Son of Man. You know, that's like a favorite nickname for Ezekiel. God would call him Son of Man son of man. And you will see this a bunch of times in the book of Ezekiel over and over again. This is God's favorite nickname for Ezekiel. And he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet. Whoa, you just saw the glory of the Lord and a sapphire throne and wheels within wheels and the eyes all around the rims. And you saw these living creatures worshiping God. And he tells you, Stand on your feet. You know, it's very interesting. If you would make a study of all the people in the Bible who fell on their faces before God because they had seen the Lord. They had seen a vision from the Lord. And when they fell on their faces before God, God came and spoke to them. That is a common factor throughout all. And what does God say? Stand up. Stand on your feet. Oh, uh, okay, God. Um I'll try and stand on my feet. You remember when Daniel had this vision and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and all his strength was just sapped from him and he was pale and trembling and he fell on his face. And God said to him, "Um stand up." But he had to help Daniel stand up. Well, Exactly. I mean, these exile prophets, man, they saw visions. <laughs> John the Revelator was also in exile when he saw his visions. We will see it face to face when we go to heaven and we see the Lord. In this case, he said, stand up on your feet. I will speak to you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. See, when... You know, they say during revival days, why are people falling down? They couldn't stand up. (laughs) Why are people laughing? Because they're filled with joy. There's such simple answers to this. Why, when you see the Lord, you can't stand up? Because you've just seen the Lord. You cannot stay on your feet. And the first thing God says is, stand on your feet. But then he comes and enables you. He helps you to stand on your feet. He comes, the spirit of God lifts you up and puts you on your feet. And it says, and I heard him speaking to me and he said to me, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel. I send you, wow, common threads, all the people who had visions of the glory of God. First of all, they fell on their faces from the time of abraham as the glory of god passed by him all the way through the new testament all the way through the book of revelation when people have this experience with god they're falling on their face before him and what does god do he speaks to you very often he calls you by name in the case of ezekiel that was his favorite name for ezekiel son of man you might What if God spoke to you and called you by your nickname and said, you, and calls you by your name, stand on your feet. I want to speak to you. Well, so that's the common thread. They fall on their face. God tells them to stand up. God helps them to stand up, and God speaks to them. And lastly, in this common thread, what does God do? He says, I need to send you. I've got people who need my message. I've got people who need the Lord, they need forgiveness, they need salvation, and what better what better result of us having an experience with God than being set on our feet and sent out by God himself and saying, go, win your neighbors, win your, your enemies and your friends and your relatives, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to people who need me. In this case, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus saith the Lord." Amen, that is exactly what you will say. When you are sent to people, when God sends you out to witness to share His word, you share His word. You are faithful to share the message of the, the one who sent you as a messenger. The messenger must only share the message he is given. So thus saith the Lord, and look at verse 5, and whether they hear, or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Well, first of all, whether they hear or refuse to hear. See, it's not an excuse for us to say, well, I tried to share the gospel, but they wouldn't listen. Keep on sharing the gospel. Whether they hear or refuse to hear, they will know. And one of the major, major, major themes in the book of Ezekiel is Then they will know. They will know. Then they will know. In this case, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Okay, so we take note of the word prophet. And we say, Ezekiel, he is a priest. Happy birthday, Ezekiel. He is a priest. And now he is also being called by God as a prophet. So he's a priest and a prophet. Has been among them. And you, son of man. Must not be afraid of them. See, Ezekiel was so young. He was just getting started in his ministry. And God's saying, son of man, you can't be afraid of these people. It says, do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Those though briars and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions. Ouch. Be not afraid of their words, Be not dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Okay, so don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of their words. Don't be afraid of their looks. Well, that's a good word for us. When God sends us out to share the gospel, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the people. Don't be afraid of their words. Don't be afraid of their looks when they look at you cockeyed and like, what, are you crazy? Don't be afraid of them. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. So the people, they might refuse to hear. They might plug their ears and say, don't talk to me. I'm not listening. But you, son of man, you hear what I have to say. You hear my words. Hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold. So that's another one of those cases where in other translations it says, I looked and I saw. (laughs) I looked and I saw. And what did we say? You will not see unless you look. And where you're looking will determine what you see. I looked and behold, a hand was stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it out before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. Chapter 3. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll. That I give you and fill your stomach with it. And I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Well, we know that the word of the Lord is as sweet as honeycomb, right? That's also written in the book of Psalms. You think he really ate a Bible? (laughs) Don't go eat your Bible tonight, okay? This is all in a vision that he's having. And maybe it really happened. He gave him something in this vision and he ate it. But don't go eat your Bible literally tonight, okay? And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. In other words, you know these people. Not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me. (laughs) So there you go. On the first day on the job, and God's telling you, I'm sending you out, but they're not going to (laughs) listen. What a word to be given to. But why will they not listen to Ezekiel? Because they won't listen to God. And sometimes, you know, when you're trying to share the gospel with your neighbors and your friends, and they don't want to listen, it's not you they're upset with. It's God. They're not listening to you because they're not willing to listen to God. So you just think of it that way. Because all of the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. See, whatever you need to accomplish your ministry, God will give it to you. He will prepare you. He will sustain you. He will do it. Like emery harder than flint have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you receive in your heart. Oh, is that important? I think so. All these words that God is speaking to us Receive these words in our heart and hear with with your ears. Any word that God speaks to you, don't just take it intellectually. Don't just say, yes, God said that. I agree. That's in the Bible. Take it to your heart. That is how you are to hear with your ears. Listen, take it to heart. Every word of God. Take it to your heart and go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them and say to them, thus says the Lord, whether they hear or refuse to hear. See, the sequence there is so important. First, you internalize the word of God. First, you receive the word of God in your heart, and then you go and speak. You get that sequence there? Do you get how important that is? You first receive it in your heart. This is not an intellectual game. This is life-changing, soul-changing, soul-redeeming, life-giving The word of God. It won't do us any good to speak what we have not experienced. Experience it, receive it in your heart, and then go and speak and speak the words of God. Verse 12, then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. (laughs) Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. It, that voice, it was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another. So you see, it could really be that sound of the living, the wings that sounds like the uh, many waters. It's actually the voice. It's the voice of God. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another, the sound of the wheels beside them, and the sound of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and the heat of my spirit and the hand of the Lord being strong upon me, and I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv. Now, that's not Tel Aviv which is in Israel right along the coast, along the Mediterranean. This is Tel Aviv, where they are in exile, who were dwelling by the Chibar Canal. And I sat where they were dwelling. And I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. And you know what? That is the end of our Ezekiel reading for today. We had to cover so much in one day in one devotions. It's hard to just absorb that much in one time of devotions. But I am so looking forward to being with you again tomorrow as we continue the story of Ezekiel. Thank you so much for joining us today for our daily devotions. It's such a pleasure to experience digging into the Word of God together with you. Now, we hope to see you tonight for our COP online evening service. God bless.